and verses 14 through 15, and I'll read it a little bit in context. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. Father, I thank you for this, your word, and as we prepare our hearts for uh, renewing covenant with you, I pray that you would stir up our hearts to lay hold of your covenant and all of the privileges that we have in Christ Jesus, and we pray it in his name. Amen. Well, I want to draw three quick lessons from verses 14 through 15, and the first lesson is that Christ's atonement accomplished everything that it was intended to accomplish. All for whom Christ died, without exception, are treated as having died in him. So that, in a nutshell, is the doctrine of substitutionary atonement. Uh, the elect deserve to die, and yet Christ died in their place. Not one of them is lost. And so, in effect, you know, I had my name on death row, a chamber, but that name is erased as if I've already been executed. That's, in effect, what it means. If Christ died for all of our sins, then there are no sins left for me to suffer for. And so the hymn writer wrote, Christ paid the price that law could never demand twice. And what it means by law could never demand twice, there is no double jeopardy in God's law. So Christ's love, first of all, gives us security. The second thing that Christ's love does is it constrains us to certain behavior. Uh, he says the love of Christ compels us, or as some translate it, constrains us. What does it compel us to do? What does it constrain us to? Well, Paul says that those who live should live no longer for themselves. A man or a woman or a child who no longer lives for himself or herself must have an awful lot of constraint going on because what is fallen man naturally doing? Okay, there's a hundred uh, sinful desires and passions and appetites that are craving for free reign. And yet, here are men and women and children who are saying no to those, compassion, those uh, passions. Uh, there's a miraculous constraint that is going on because when you think about it, uh, this is all that man does. He does not want all things to be of God and through God and to God. He hates God's sovereignty in the natural state. Instead, he wants all things to be of man and through man and to man. Well, actually, more specifically, of me and to me and uh, through me, right? Uh, and yet, because of God's grace, men, women, and children are saying no to those fleshly, selfish desires. And it's really a miracle when you think about it. Everybody for whom Christ died will be sanctified. They will be constrained. They will be compelled to godly behavior. Here's how Romans 8.29 words it. God predestined us to be conformed to the image of his Son. So we're coming to the meal that represents sanctification. It pledges uh, God's good works that he said 
from eternity past. We were going to walk in them, but we're pledging to be sanctified as well. So first thing, love gives us security. Second, Christ's love constrains us. It compels us. Third thing that Christ's love does is it brings us liberty. And that's not contradictory to the constraining. Uh, we are constrained. Uh, we do die to, uh, to our old life, but we are living to a new life in Christ. So you can sort of think about it this way. Um, marriage is a constraint. We just had a wedding yesterday, and they were vowing to have eyes only for each other. Uh, they no longer can marry anybody else. There's a constraint that is in marriage, but it's a glorious constraint. It's a free constraint. There's a free relationship that they have. And so Christ says he came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. So our constraint is liberating because we are restrained from doing evil so that we can freely do good. We're restrained from doing those things that bring death so that we can freely do those things that bring life. And this meal we've seen over the years has constraint that is applied to it. And yet it is a meal of blessing and bounty. We're pledging ourselves to Christ, using a marriage metaphor, in sickness and in health, in, um, blessing, in prosperity, poverty, whatever. We are committing ourselves to him till we die and beyond death. But it's a constraint that uh, enables us to live a new life freely. As verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, so there's the constraint. Behold, all things have become new. Uh, our God is an incredibly generous God. Um, he words it this way elsewhere in Romans. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So that's really the pledge that's being made in the Lord's Supper. Uh, he pledges that he will give his all to us, and we are pledging to give our all to him. So let me review those three things that um, are graphically portrayed in the Lord's table. First, Christ's love is a love we can be secure in. Nothing can pluck us out of the Father's hand. Second, it is a love that constrains you to no longer live selfishly, but to live to please your Lord. And third, it's a love that liberates us and... Uh, uh, that freely gives us all things. And so let's thank the Lord as we come to this table and say, Lord, I want to unreservedly commit myself to you as well. Father, we thank you for this table that uh, week by week reminds us of the incredible privileges that your covenant has ushered us into. We're thankful for the gift that you have given of your son, and uh, we're thankful that your son has sacrificed himself for us. May we unreservedly give ourselves to him. So I pray to that end that you would set aside these common elements to a holy use. You would be glorified in our partaking. In Jesus' name, amen.